0: You're listening to Thank You Five, a podcast devoted to Omaha's vibrant performing arts scene. My name is Dana Schweiger, and I've worked in Omaha theater for over 25 years. I'm sitting down with directors, performers, musicians, technicians, and designers to discuss their artistic talent, their passion, and why they continue to call Omaha home. As a choreographer, Molly Walter's work has been seen on the stages of the Omaha Community Playhouse in productions such as Mama Mia, The Producers, Ultra Boys, Spamalot, Evil Dead the Musical, Young Frankenstein, Sister Act, and Legally Blonde. She also serves as choreographer for numerous award-winning high school show choirs throughout Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota. As a performer, Melanie has appeared on numerous stages around the Omaha Metro. Favorite roles include Ava Perone in Evita, Aida in Aida, Velma Kelly in Chicago, Adelaide in Guys and Dolls, Lucy Harris, Jekyll and Hyde, Mary Magdalene, Jesus Christ Superstar, The Narrator, Joseph in The Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and The Lady of the Lake in Spamalot. She was thrilled to receive both the 2015 Theater Arts Guild Award and Omaha Entertainment Awards for Outstanding Choreography and Best Actress in a Musical Role for her work in Spamalot. Melanie Walters... Welcome to the green room. Thank you, Dana. This is exciting. It's not green though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's a it's a lovely shade of beige, Very. but it'll work.
1: I'm going to pretend. Okay. It's fine.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Let's start out with the basics for those who may not be familiar with you, which is probably anyone who lives under a rock because you do <laughs> so many things around town. Where are you from originally? I am from California. California? I, yes. Yes. yes.
1: Where in California? Um, I was born in Hayward, California, which is a suburb of the Bay Area. So I think Fremont, San Jose area, and then moved um, different places in California until I was about nine years old, spent a lot of time in the Bay Area. Both my parents' families are from the Bay Area. And then when I was about nine, we started our little tour of the United States. Uh, We moved to Texas,
0: Pennsylvania, back to California, and then ended here in high school. Okay, so now I have to ask, did you in your time in California ever experience any earthquakes yes yes but I am famous for sleeping through
1: earthquakes so Ooh, I yeah, like this story. I have done that yeah I've done that when I was little we would have earthquakes you no know, just traumas from time to time we missed we were out of the state when the big one happened in the Bay Area back in what the early 90s early yeah. 80s. yeah that's that was the one I was thinking of yeah so. we were gone by then my grandmother still lived there but I have slept through earthquakes before so I'm a goner apparently <laughs>
0: Out like a light. Well, and I myself (laughs) sleep like the dead, so (laughs) (laughs) so we'd be good company. Yep. So I'm curious, were you in a military family? Is that why you travelled all over the
1: place? Or no, newspapers. Actually, yeah. my dad is an editor, uh, has always worked as an editor and a writer for the newspapers, worked at a lot of different papers in the areas. And so anytime they would bring in a new editing or a new uh, uh, publisher or even a managing editor, they would technically want to bring in their own people. So some of it was for job advancement, but a lot of it was just because they were clearing house when they brought somebody new in. So we job hopped a lot for, for his job. And then he's now with the Associated Press Office here in Omaha and has been for the last several
0: years. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So when did you start your aspirations as a dancer? Were you very, very young when this started? I was. I was
1: three. I think I started when we were living in San Diego area. Tracy. Tracy, California at the time. I think I was three. And took dance all the way up through, I think, before we left California. So about six years at different studios. Actually, the studio I was in in the Bay Area was one of the feeder programs for the San Francisco Ballet. Mm. So we would do... Um, Uh, collaborative productions with them. And a couple of times we were part of the annual Nutcracker production for the San Francisco Ballet. So always, always danced, um, did a little bit of gymnastics thrown in there. But then when we moved to Texas, I took a a hiatus from my (laughs) fledgling dance career and ended up in gymnastics for a couple years and then came back to dance in high school and then took dance all the way through the rest of high school.
0: What was your favorite part of gymnastics?
1: floor actually probably because I got to incorporate dance into it and then I was great on a on the vault I have I'm pretty strong legs actually so dancing and jumping and and doing the vault was great I was really bad at the bars because I'm extremely upper body weak
0: so okay yeah I was never going to the Olympics it's never gonna happen no (laughs) no (laughs) never (laughs) but but I'm assuming that you followed the Olympics so I did Mm -hmm. who who would have been your favorite gymnast at that time, it was back during like the Shannon Miller
1: era. Yes. Shannon Miller, Kim Zmeskal, and that whole crew. So yep. the '92 Olympics, mm-hmm. right around there, was was big. '92 to '96. Okay. Big fan. Very yeah. cool. Very mm-hmm. cool.
0: You so you did dancing, and then was did you was it an all around dance disciplines that you did within that, or you know were you more modern dance, were you more ballet, what? and and i'm going to get these terms wrong because dancing is i know very little about dancing mm-hmm. except for the fact that i was required by a acting coach when i was a professor when i was in college to take a modern dance class to loosen up my upper body because that's where I carried all of my tension. Yes, me and too. Mm-hmm. and so I was required to take um by her. She strongly recommended that I take a modern dance class in order to free me up. And I'm sure all of the dance majors were like. <laughs> What is she doing? I got an A in that class, and I think it was purely for That's effort. Great. I think it was purely for just effort because I am not a dancer. So, did it loosen you up? Did it do what it was I, supposed it, you to? You know, I think it did. Okay. I, yeah, it, because there there was. She said, "Well, I can tell that you're not skipping class because." Because I can tell that it was releasing the tension a a little bit so that I digress. But so when, so when you were growing up and you were taking dance, Mm -hmm. were there areas that you focused on? We had to. I think all of the studios I had been at, especially the one
1: in California, you had to, if you were going to take jazz or tap, you had to be enrolled in ballet. So that was like a non-starter. So that was was a requirement of every dancer in the studio. And most studios are like that. They want to make sure your foundation is good, your alignment, and everything carriage-wise is all in place before you can learn how to take it apart with modern or something and do it the right way. Sure. So I did all three and really gravitated more to jazz and tap. Ballet was fine. I liked it. I didn't have a problem with it, but I would prefer those. And that's still true today. I would rather do a jazz or a tap routine than a ballet.
0: Okay, so so this is fascinating to me. So there are foundations. There are different foundational classes you have to take that then build upon what Mm -hmm. you do. So can you take a moment? I'm going to divert from going on with stuff that you did in high school to talk about, let's talk about how as a dancer, when you start out young, how the three interact and how you build a foundation on that. Would you speak on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the
1: foundation of ballet really is your posture and aligning your spine to make sure that everything you then do, you know, with arms or legs is done accurately. So you have the... the, uh, take a, back, stack, a step back, the only way to get those beautiful ballet pictures that you see, like right now with all the, the Midwest ballet photos that are around town, the only way to get those photos is if the dancer knows how to align their body the right way and how to carry themselves and where to place everything so that the line of their body looks so beautiful. And if you don't have that technique that you've been taught, even if you're older when you start dance, if you don't get that, then you're never going to have that look. Like everything just looks right. And it should look effortless, but it's not anywhere close to effortless but when you have that alignment and you know where you should be placing your weight to be able to make those poses happen that's why they look so like they can put their head up you know behind their foot and all of that that's because they know all that technique to begin with
0: right so so jazz and tap gets gives you that foundation
1: mm-hmm.
0: the ballet helped so
1: much in tap for me, because you're you're doing things that are just so outside of what the, <laughs> the body normally does, be able to make all those sounds and make your feet do that. Where if you're not carrying yourself right, you're going to be wiping out left and right because you don't know where to place yourself to carry your balance when you're doing all that. And same for jazz. The only way to get the full extension of some moves, whether it be like a layback or even into the splits, is to know how to make your body Align the right way to do it, so you can really watch dancers in the line and, and pinpoint you know who had the foundation or who was allowed to skip ballet and go right into jazz in their studio. It wasn't a requirement for them. You can just tell there's a way that you carry yourself when you've had those classes.
0: So when you so for someone who's starting out and they want to and they want to have their daughter or son mm-hmm. take dance classes, is there a certain order in which they should take classes? I think. Or do you take them at the same time? You
1: can take them all at the same time. And a lot lot of people did. That's what I did for so many years. It was like three nights a week, Tuesday nights. I just lived at my studio because they were all three happened to be on the same night, which was great for my mom and (laughs) not having to drive me four nights a week. But ballet is the basis of everything. Tap kind of takes a side step. So if you go right into tap, um, some studios, that may not be a requirement that you have to take ballet before tap. Maybe you do before jazz. You know, every studio is different. But tap does function a little bit more independently in that you're doing a different technique and you're worrying more about rhythms and things. So you can kind of I can see how you could get around that, mm-hmm. but if I was going to send a, a, a student, I would make sure the studio that they're going to has a really strong core ballet program. And if they don't
0: have that requirement,
1: I personally would question the 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 seriousness or the validity of that studio.
0: Okay, so ballet would be the would be the first class for sure. Yep and then you branch out to jazz and tap mm-hmm. modern and then yep. <laughs> and then modern yeah, right. and things like that so but they all they all in some ways inner interconnect. They do. Yeah, I do. I think the best
1: for me, if you're looking at a well-rounded dancer, they are, they have, t- you can tell they've taken all of the disciplines and they've focused on enough on them. And that's why, you know, you see all these football players and other people in sports that take that ballet because to be able to move effectively in any physical activity that requires agility and, and quick feet ballet is, um, for me, it's a building block. And that's why you see so many of them go out and do it.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. So now, I'll, so now I'll jump back into high school. Sure. So, so you continued doing the dance mm-hmm. all through high school. I did up through junior year. Um, junior
1: year was kind of a turning point. I had been, okay, so I'll, I'll back up a step even more. I sure. moved back to high school, uh, back to Nebraska, in beginning of my junior year. And so out in California, I was still at a studio taking all three and had started to teach. Actually, at the age of 15, I was teaching some classes. And so when I came to Nebraska, I was already sort of like figuring out what I wanted to do next with dance. So I still went into a studio and started that path. But about midway through junior year, I discovered musical theater. And (laughs) it took me out of taking consistent classes every week because I I don't know. I felt like it was going to conflict too much. Probably wouldn't have. I'm not sure why. I felt like I needed to stop actually taking dance, but I was taking a different path at that point. Sure. Um, So I stopped regular studio work probably midway through junior year.
0: And where did you go to high school?
1: Uh, Papillion La Vista. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. What shows did you do
1: when you were at Papillion La Vista? I did not do a show until my senior year. So okay. junior year, I was I was still in dance. Um, had had in California. Had gone and saw my first Broadway show, which was Cats, and <laughs> fell in love. And it, it is a guilty pleasure to this day. But I went and saw Cats. Are you going to go uh, see the movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably because it's like that right now to me. That that particular movie looks like the train wreck. You, can, you just can't not watch when it happens. Right. And maybe it'll be brilliant. I don't sure. know, but. So so, we, so you so saw, cats. saw cats and I. When then we moved to Nebraska and I started getting into community theater before we I ever did high school theater. And so my first show in nebraska was jesus christ superstar down in bellevue like in 95 was my first show ever and had then did a couple other shows and you were mary magdalene in that? i was not i was in the course debbie the klein course. was mary magdalene in oh, that okay, okay. yeah okay yeah so i was uh, 15 turning 16 uh, 16 in that show and or you were
0: 16 going on 17. i was 16 going. literally i was 16 <laughs> going on
1: 17 and uh ended up uh doing another show i started with ralston community theater at that time and then finally senior i came around and i felt like okay Cool. This sounds really fun. So why, why am I not doing this in high school? I was in the speech team and I just made the transition and auditioned for Fiddler on the Roof and was Golda my senior year of high school. So that was the, my actual first like high school show. Yeah.
0: So you graduate if you don't mind asking. Sure. My, my asking in yeah. what year? 96. 96. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then did you go to college? I did. I went to UNK. Okay.
1: And started out as a musical theater major. I don't know what I was thinking, because I had never taken any major music classes. I never took piano. I never done really any instrument work or vocal work. So I jumped into this musical theater degree like it was really going to be easy for me. And it was so not easy. But it got me into all the ensembles and different things, got into the musical theater classes, ended up switching majors at some point but it got me to I think the college I was supposed to be at for the other for all the other reasons I was supposed to be there so even sure. though I didn't stay musical theater it
0: was a good place for me to be mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. did you get back into dancing at that time or
1: no, I actually never took a dance class in Kearney. It wasn't, I don't know why, it wasn't a requirement maybe of the musical theater program. Like the first year, maybe it wasn't a thing or it was an elective. I'm not sure how that worked out. Maybe they should look at that. That <laughs> should probably be a thing. I should probably have been in dance. But I didn't do that. Um, I got, got into doing the musicals out there and got into choreography a lot heavier. So I was dancing a lot, but more in a
0: teaching role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then
1: once I shifted degrees, it was doing just the musicals, being in them, and and doing the the teaching on the side.
0: And what is your degree in?
1: Organizational communication. Okay. Honestly, because I could still get out in four years. I switched it a couple times. I went from musical theater to marketing, and then – I was, by that point, it was like the end of my sophomore year, and I was done. And I was a, a great student in high school and, and liked being in college, but I just could not see looking at another like four years tacked on because I was, you know, degree hopping at that point. And right. so ORCOM was a great way to still get out in four sure, years and, sure. and move on with things.
0: What was the first show that you choreographed?
1: It was, uh, oh, a fiddler on the roof for Ralston. Came back uh, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year and choreographed for the community theater. So I was all of 19 years old and choreographed it.
0: And what is it about being a choreographer or what drew you, what, what draws you to that? Well, I think a lot of dancers, when they are first approached
1: by it, it's like, oh, cool, somebody's going to maybe pay me to do this. This is awesome. And you love to teach and you love to dance. And when I first got into being a dance teacher, it's – yeah, I don't even know if I can describe it really well. I like being able to to instruct. I like being able to share and to see other people learn that as well. So I think – teaching dance, doing choreography, musical theater, choreography, it's just all the same kind of vein. Like I just like, I like creating it. I like being able to instruct people and hopefully have them discover a love of it or enjoy it or feel, feel, feel like they've improved something about their dance skills. And, you know, at the time, you know, a poor college student, you have Mm -hmm. a school or studio telling you, hey, I can pay you to do this. Why don't you come do this? And at that point, you're eating ramen every week. It's a great idea. And so, sure, absolutely. Time me up.
0: How many shows have you choreographed over the years? I don't know.
1: Uh, 20 to 30, I would guess at this point in some capacity, some Mm -hmm. more than others. Some it's just a a song or two, depending, Mm -hmm. and then other full shows. That'd be my guess. How did you get into the world of show choir? College. Same thing. I was, I think, sophomore year, and Kearney High School had a show choir, and there's a bunch of little, you know, middle of Nebraska, you've got a lot of small towns around, and ended up working with the Kearney High Show Choir. Got called in because a friend of mine who was in the music department at UNK was working with them, and she was unable to, to work with them that next year, so they gave me a call. Um, it happened to be the wife of our collegiate choir director who was at the high school. So it was kind of a connection there already. And then a bunch of the other small schools, you know, they found out that I was in town and I ended up doing, you know, three or four different little schools in addition to Kearney High and ended up working with the community theater out in Kearney. They have a pretty strong community theater, dinner theater. And that, around sophomore, junior year, it all picked up and started.
0: Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, what is, what is your role when When it comes to show choir, and how do you work with the students?
1: Sure. Um, so show choir has evolved a ton since I have since I started even. um show choir is it, at its biggest. It's this full-fledged production that these kids are doing. So you're talking fifty kids roughly on stage, costume changes, full bands. And then if you go back to where some of the smaller schools in the area are, it's, you know twelve singers and a piano player on stage. So there's a full range of, every size group, every, you know, budget that can support it and every teacher that wants to do it. But show choir for me is a, for the kids who are in show choir, if they're in a a well-rounded show choir, they're getting to do all these different musical styles and genres and there's an aspect of musical theater to it that I really enjoy then try to tap into and it's not just about putting steps on the stage. It's what is the song we're doing? What are what are the emotions of the song? Are we in some kind of storytelling capacity? And how do we make fifty kids do that on stage and make it entertaining for an audience? So it's varying levels. Some teachers come to me and they say, here are our four songs, here, have some dances made up to this and be ready to go. And others, it's a more of a collaborative, okay, this is our theme of our show this year. What do you envision for this? How can we make this more than just steps on the stage and create more of a a show production feel to it?
0: How long do you normally, and I'm sure this varies again Mm -hmm. by what the program is and, and how collaborative you are in the process, but Is it, do you have like a certain number of weeks that you work with the students? Do you know, I, I'm, I'm not overly familiar with Mm -hmm. how show choir works. Sure. And I never watched Glee, so. Yeah, well, and that is, <laughs> <Well>, and as <laughs> any show sure. choir person, that is so not what show choir sure, is. to sure. Oh my gosh,
1: that show was great for show choir in so many ways, but so crappy in other ways because right. it led people to believe you could learn a song in an hour and go compete. Like, that's <laughs> crap. Such crap. Um, it Truly, it depends on the group. So like right now, I just came off of two weeks where a bunch of schools before they get back in, into the school year will do like a full week of camp. Maybe it's two days, three days, whatever their schedule happens to be. So they look at it as a great time to bring choreographer in because they can knock out a couple songs like in an eight hour session or over a couple days so it depends on the school like yesterday I was up in Sioux Falls and got back last night and had been with them all day long and we put two shows or two songs in their show versus the, Sioux, the Fall, South Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and so then a week and a half ago I was at, in Papillion, I was at my alma mater and did, we did three songs over the course of four days, like four hour sessions a day, so it just depends on the school they're looking for to get done, and then once the school year starts, I'll go in like on a Saturday for like a five-hour stretch or a Tuesday evening over a couple of weeks and put a song in, so it really makes, um, it, it depends on the school schedule and then mm-hmm. what my schedule allows.
0: Mm-hmm. When you get together with students, how do do you I'm trying to figure out the best way of asking this. Mm-hmm. How do you get fifty kids to listen to you in a four hour stretch, <laughs> eight hour stretch? Yeah. To focus enough to you know because obviously it seems like you have a very condensed, intensive learning period and then you probably go back for tweaks and touch ups yep. and reminders and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I don't know do you have what would be the equivalent of a dance captain in in show choir that keeps them on their toes so to speak or yeah. A lot of schools, I think,
1: just like you just said, it's, it's a condensed amount of time. So when I go in there, the teachers and the students, if the teacher has prepped them for what's about to happen, they know that, you know, we've got five hours and we don't have time to jack around. This is it. We have this time. She's not going to be back. You know, maybe my schedule allows me to come back like a month and a half later. If we don't get that song done, then that song's just hanging out there in the wind until I come back a month and a half later. And that's not doing them any good. But it is. It's a, over the years, I have learned, I feel like, how to get a group of between 14 to 17 year olds 50 some at a time to to focus and there's you know as any teacher will tell you who's been doing it for a while you learn techniques that work for you most of the time it's good you don't give them a lot of downtime unless it's a, a scheduled break in the rehearsal it's it's moving them and motivating them to the next part it's directions for where to get to um, and to move back and there is nothing worse than being unprepared in front of a group of 50 kids so you have to be ready to go i think the choreographers that I respect the most that I work with or see work with kids is that they know that I have to make sure this re- this rehearsal is worth everybody's time. And so they have to go in there with everything ready to go and prepared so that way you can be cueing them into the next step. You get really good at cueing dance steps into what you're running at the time like if you're running in a section and it's in a beat and you've got okay coming up you've got right foot here we go and go so you get really good at cueing them into the next thing because it makes them have to keep thinking forward and they don't have time to flounder and then once they start to flounder then you start to lose it so Mm -hmm. you have to be on for me you have to be on the entire time right and it's not just teaching the dance steps it's a lot of classroom management stuff sure
0: when you get together with a teacher, and you know what the, the music selections mm-hmm. are going to be. When you get together with them, then you sit down and you do, like you just said, mm-hmm. a lot of the pre-work. Mm-hmm. What is involved with that? Do you have, for example, do you have their accompanist play? Do you get a recording of them playing so that you know what their tempo is? Or do you have something that you start off with and then you adjust it when you get in with them? How sure. does that work? And, you know, and does it vary based on? A little bit. Yeah, yeah
1: a little bit. But techno- I swear, technology is so good for for what I do now because a lot of the schools I work with are having songs arranged for them mm. or they've purchased an arrangement from an arranger from a website. And so typically there's an audio file that's coming along with it. So I get an audio file and I get usually the sheet music of the piano vocal score of whatever it is in a perfect situation, um, and then we talk through, you know, I'll pre- take a look at it ahead of time and say, okay, well, this makes sense for me, or this ending is kind of funky, or, you know, right here, I'd really like to split it, guy, girl, voice part, or, you know, tenor, bass right here, or do something interesting with it. Some schools, we're under a time crunch, or with all these rights that you have to get, there's a delay, and so sometimes you're not fully prepared as much as you would like with all the materials, and you're working off of a recording and assuming that things are going to come through. All of the rights issues that have come up lately with the Tresona company or um, any of the companies that you have to get licensing rights from from songs, for songs, there's a a chance that it may not come through right away or you're going to get denied for a right. So you really have to have as much as you can in a row with your rights ahead of time. And then you can tweak a little bit here and there with the arrangement. Some teachers are not up for changing anything. They just want to leave it as is. This is the arrangement. Here we go. And others are more flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it fits the show better to make those edits. Sure. So really case by case.
0: How many, how many show choir gigs do you have?
1: I think I've got somewhere under 10 this year uh, in varying degrees. Full shows for me would be like four songs for a group. Other groups, it's a song or two. So it varies. When I was working strictly as a choreographer, you know, just freelance, I would have probably closer to 20 groups in some capacity. But now that I'm working full time, I just don't have the hours in the day to do that
0: anymore. Yeah. Let's switch back then a little bit to just straight choreography Mm -hmm. with community theater shows. How many do you normally do in a theatrical season? One or two.
1: Yeah. One or two. It depends. Yeah. I can't really
0: do a whole lot more than that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. What has been your most challenging show that you
1: had to choreograph? (laughs) uh indecent was challenging in some ways because it made me as a very anal retentive choreographer have to step out of that control and really work with susan on the fly and develop something as it happened so that's it's just not a comfort level for me but i'm so glad it
0: happened so that was Mm -hmm. challenging it was and i yeah yeah. and i'll and i'll stop you for a second indecent was a really interesting show there was a lot of movement Mm -hmm. in that show Mm -hmm. so Did you spend a lot more time in rehearsals for that show than you normally would as a choreographer?
1: Not necessarily time-wise. My schedule right now permits, doesn't permit me to be there every single night of a week. So during the time I was there, there was a good mix of coming in with some prepared stuff. few songs were very much choreographed full all the way through. But as you probably saw when you saw it, there was a lot of incidental things or not quite knowing how it was going to work out with the blocking or the scene changes that would come up. So there was a lot on the fly or Susan had a wonderful vision of what a moment needed to look like. And so I would then come back the next night with something or later in the rehearsal and let it percolate a little bit. Sure. So it was a sure. big. It was a mix of all. Uh
0: uh-huh. Yeah, that was the thing that I found fascinating was, uh, and this is something for me that I never know when I direct a musical where I have to have choreography, the line of when a show, when a number needs to be blocked and when it needs to be choreographed. And and it's inter- it was interesting with that show because a lot of that movement, like you said, the transition from going from one scene to another was very fluid. And it's like, well, I could see that being a choreographed piece or I could also see it being just a straight-up movement piece with some hints of dance in it just to, to make it fluid. So that's something where... You just sit down with the director and she says, or he says, I need a little bit more of your, your vision here mm-hmm. than mine. Yes. Is that-
1: yeah. There was a lot of that. And I feel like Susan and I are kind of on the same page with a lot of, of that it happened to be during that show. So that was exactly how it would turn out. It would be, okay, so here's what we're facilitating in this change or in this interlude. And what I would like to have happen is point A to point B. How do we make that? interesting. And Susan, to her credit, did a lot of it herself as well. And then it would be putting some, a second set of eyes on it and making sure that that was mm-hmm. fluid enough. Yeah, it would be a lot of that of, of how do we make this happen and what needs to happen visually. And if there's a moment that needs to happen in that transition, how
0: do we flesh that out more? When you sit down with a musical, and do you know, before you go into a musical these are the numbers that I know for sure that I want to choreograph, and these are the numbers that I think a director should handle? Or how does that process work when you choreograph? Usually I... I comes to me from the
1: director they have an idea and I ask them first it's it's their vision it's their show really sure. it's it's so my question to them is let me know which numbers you're thinking you need help with okay and sometimes truly there'll be a song that pops up that I don't expect to have on my list and sure. and vice versa there'll be something I would think I would need to handle and they're comfortable doing
0: it so right but it's it's their call what they need to have yeah yeah that was always that was always the fine line for me which is <laughs> and there would be times where i'd be like oh yeah i could do this and i'm like mm, no oh that happens no too. i can't yeah. <laughs> which is fine we and
1: uh, i don't mind that at all you know if a director sure. comes to me and says or they run out of time they've truly run out of time and they need to get something blocking wise done, and they say okay this was on my plate i can't make this happen can you take this group of people while i'm doing this sure and that's happened and that's fine i mean mm-hmm. that's what we're there for is to help you guys
0: realize what you want right. to have happen so, indecent was one that you thought was complex just mm-hmm. because of the the setup for it. Mm-hmm. What other shows? a
1: Spam- Spamalot was really challenging because I was pulling double duty in that show uh, and was choreographing it and I was in it. So there was a lot of hopping in and out, finishing a scene and then jumping up in front of the mirror and watching whatever was happening next or taking myself out of a number knowing that I would need to put myself back in at some point so I could watch it. So it wasn't that it was the creative process of actually choreographing the songs, it was the double duty side was Uh challenging, which was very interesting and fun. And I would, and I didn't mind it at all. It was just a new thing.
0: I'd never done that before. And then- Did that get (sighs) challenging during tech week?
1: It, yes, it was. And there was a frustration. And I, and the director was aware going in that this was going to be how it was working. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the situation we were in. So as much as I could do before tech to feel like that the numbers were in a great place. But I would. I would step out. And, and I had another set of eyes during tech week, I think, a couple nights just to mm-hmm. make sure that things weren't going awry. And he was very comfortable with moving himself. So he was able to address a couple things mm-hmm. or come to me and talk about what we needed to do the next night, touch on a spot maybe. Right. So that was challenging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it something that you would do again yeah i think so depending on the show Mm -hmm. yeah i you know right now my schedule doesn't always allow me to be in production so it would have to be a really great opportunity but that doesn't scare me like it did before as long as the director's game to try it and there's other ways to make it work in place with support staff or something yeah it was yeah that doesn't scare me i don't shy away from that Mm -hmm. i don't think
0: going to roles that you've done what are some of the favorite shows that you've done Mm. from a performer standpoint evita was one of my favorites just absolute
1: top to bottom and lady of the lake spam a lot was was fantastic and then i would play velma kelly until i could not move anymore i (laughs) i will play her
0: anytime any day yeah so i think those are my top three what is it about those experiences that that you enjoyed so much
1: I think they were, they're were all so different from each other. So Velma was able to put comedy and dance together. So anytime I can I can use what my my first love was. So if, if I can put dance in a show and have that be a role for myself, that's just like the best of both worlds. And she was such a sarcastic something, <laughs> and and she's just so brash and she's just so fun to play. So I love I loved that Lady of the Lake was a stretch. I got to sing all these different styles and test that part of myself and find the comedy in it. And that was that was just a joy. I didn't expect that to come about. And it did. And I'm so glad I got to do it because I feel much more confident as a singer in different genres now, just to have that little touch of that role. And then Evita was the first really major role where it it was just vocally taxing. And it was a challenge every night to see if that score and my voice could just make it through the show. And it did. And it was such a powerful, strong role to play um, did you do to that in ralston that was stages of omaha oh, stages before of it omaha. yeah before it went away and okay. so that was just a very different role and a much more serious role um and to play a living human being was a mm-hmm. challenge but i loved it i would i would do that if i could every day as well that show
0: did you do a lot of you, i'm assuming you did a lot of research on ava perone
1: Yes, and we did a lot as the cast too and watched some documentary things and learned more about her and how and just her her rise and how it came about and her strength, and whether you agreed with her or not, she was very driven.
0: It's been a long, long time since I've seen Evita. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I think I've only seen it once, and it was when I was in college, so mm-hmm. it was down in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Refresh my memory, if you would, on that. Is that one of their pieces where it's sung all the way through, like Jesus Christ Superstar? Yes. Yes, And, Very little. and Right, yeah. so you've, okay, so you've done three shows of <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber's uh-huh. where it's all, like, it's all singing. Yep. You know, you've got, you've got Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar, mm-hmm. and then Joseph. Yeah. How, how taxing is that compared to regular musical theater when you have shows that are completely sung through without any dialogue? or very very little dialogue. Yeah, it's a whole other animal and it's I can imagine for a music director
1: or for the pit that that is just a Marathon for them. Good grief. Actually, you know, Joseph and Superstar, those two characters, they've got breaks. So the narrator's on right. a lot, but there's interspersing. So you're off stage for a little bit. Sure. It's not a lot. Um, right. Superstar, there's a little bit more. You're sure. taking breaks, but Evita was, there were very few scenes I was not in. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was a marathon vocally and physically every night to do that show. But the adrenaline high of doing it and getting my voice to just get so steely to be able to handle that score all the way through was, was Cool. It was really, it was just really cool. Really, yeah. I what mean, what kind of
0: regimen did you have for that?
1: I was really aware of what I was eating or drinking a lot. I mean, any there's that adage that you're not supposed to drink dairy or eat a lot of dairy or a lot of chocolate, right. but it really is true. When you're trying to belt like at a F or a G or it's anywhere in that range, if you have just got crap coating your vocal cords, it's never going to happen. So a lot of water and. A, uh, just being aware before a show what I would be eating, anything heavy, and I would just feel like a slug running around that space. And if I don't know if you were, have you ever been in that space at at any point down and, at stages
0: and stages yeah mm-hmm, yeah oh, so, well right I mean they got the pole in the middle the pole of the room, in the middle of the room. room. <laughs> but
1: then the backstage at stages was crazy so you would go backstage mm-hmm. and, and it's hard to even picture this I'm not, not going to do any and of this I, justice well
0: and I and, it, and it's all changed now because yeah. I just drove past there the other day and uh, on Friday night and I'm like oh it's all ripped up yep. and you yep. still have the poles there but yeah yeah it's you can look right you can look right in there but yeah i saw a number of shows down there the backstage area had staircases involved so
1: you would like go backstage into the dressing room and then head up a set of stairs to come down a walkway and then back down to get to on stage so there would be sometimes i would have to jet out of a stage and then be running around the theater to get on stage so not only am i doing this role and now is backstage this marathon to the point that one night the cast who happened to be backstage put like one of those pieces of like uh paper up that you run through when you're a football team (laughs) and they had one of those backstage and this is all ryan pavanka's fault and many of my backstage (laughs) shenanigans are related to him and so he had had the cast hold up one of those freaking pieces of paper and i had to run through something to get where i needed to go and that's that's what i felt like backstage it was that kind of it was this whole production in and of itself to watch backstage i'm sure
0: Yeah. When you're well, so I'm going to talk a little bit about this. When you're doing a show, where when you're in a musical, and I don't do musicals, I direct them. But I have not been in one where I would have to sing and dance at the same time. How do you work on having because I've seen, you know, I've seen some choreography that you've done where I'm like how can they talk how can they sing after doing all of that yeah yeah and maybe that was because at one time I was a smoker <laughs> but I'm curious how how that works and how you can have the vocal dexterity for lack of a better term, to be able to do those things. Or in your case, running running <laughs> <laughs> running <Yeah. laughs> up some stairs, down some stairs, through, you know, through paper, break through paper, uh-huh. and get back on stage and not be winded and sing Don't Cry from Me, Argentina yeah. or you know, or, or whatever you would have to sing.
1: Right. There is a lot of conditioning that happens. I mean, starting some of those numbers early is a great it's a great thing to keep in mind. So as a choreographer, I would I try to help performers out if I know it's a song that's going to be more labor intensive Mm -hmm. and they've got to be able to sing either during the song or shortly thereafter full voice then starting it early in the rehearsal process gets them physically conditioned to do it once a number gets choreographed I like us to be able to run it even if we're not working that scene that night run it case in point so Legally Blonde has that jump rope song in it Mm -hmm. where they're singing and, and Angie Fry is jumping rope and then has to sing through the middle of it but starting that earlier in the process gets them time to work When I choreograph, uh, no matter where I choreograph, I don't go into it thinking, well, I've got to make this easy for people. I I think that's that's unfortunate if you would go into it that way. Mm -hmm. I want to go into it thinking I'm working with people who want to push themselves as much as I would want to push myself. So I don't feel like I simplify a lot and I will ask a lot of people and I have yet luckily been blessed to have people want to rise to the occasion and so people will put in extra time if they're not working something in a rehearsal they'll go run that number or a section of it because they want to walk on stage and feel like I am doing something that people are going to be like whoa how are they how are they able to sing after doing all of that exactly so there's a level of pride involved as well with some of those songs that if they can attain it it's a a sense of accomplishment and I want to give them that so I'm not going to I'm not going to
0: simplify I want
1: them to push themselves
0: I think it's great for the audience to not dumb it down for them Mm -hmm. either, Mm -hmm. because there is nothing more exhilarating when you see a really, really tight woven choreographed number. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, it's a tap number or, you know, like you said, the jump rope scene in Legally Blonde. Mm -hmm. And you just, you as the audience are just amazed that the performers up there on stage can do that and again it makes it look effortless yeah when those who do it know that it's know that it's not yeah so yeah i think there is some pride there to is. be yeah to okay. to have that
1: I think a lot of, you know, I hear when I go back and watch a show, if I've been away from it for a while and go visit people and, you know, like the Playhouse, you have your receiving line at the end and they're all out there talking to the audience. But I think it's, I think there's a source of pride for them because they'll come back and say, you know, this person so-and-so came up and said, oh, this is better than the tour that came through, or I can't believe you're all from Omaha. And to watch them say that and know that they get to experience that feeling is just really cool that they get to feel like, wow, that audiences are for that exact reason they're amazed that here we are in omaha with its wonderful theater community that people aren't always aware of and thinking i had no idea you guys could do that
0: and that's exactly. really cool to be a part of that and let them have that experience exactly and when and when you stop and think that the majority of people in town who do shows at the playhouse or the blue barn mm-hmm. or snap Shelter Belt or wherever mm-hmm. bellevue ralston chanticleer mm-hmm. don't want to forget anybody no. the loft everybody yeah. everybody that, for the most part, everybody has their 8 to 5, 9 to 5 jobs. Yep. They have their families. You know, it's not a business for them. Right. Some it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, some it's a passion. But even even then, everybody from the person who just views this as a hobby up to the people who, you know, choose to stay here and continue to show their talents, Mm -hmm. that everybody's in it together. Yes. Yeah. And there's that pride. And and, and there is, exactly. There's that pride of giving the audience the best that they can give. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's cool. Is there a dream show that you would love to choreograph that you have not done yet? Yeah, I was I I knew this question was going to come, so I did my homework. I was thinking (laughs) ahead and I
1: always have a list going. I am obsessed with something rotten. I am waiting with bated breath for it to become available because that is that's right up my alley. My my go to my comfort zone is physical comedy, dance and musical theater. So that to me is like that's definitely there. I get to tackle one this year at Blueburn. I get to do Chorus Line, which is a bucket list, um, which I'm excited about. And then Gosh, I don't know. There's, there's a couple. I haven't been able to choreograph Superstar. I would like to choreograph Superstar someday. And then there's some old chestnut shows like Hello Dolly and songs and shows like that that I've been able to be a part of when I was much younger and mm-hmm. would like to come back as a choreographer and tackle.
0: Mm-hmm. And then what about dream, dream roles? Are there shows out there that you would love to do? Are. And <laughs> thinking about that question,
1: too, I have now passed into the different age bracket sure. of being able to do these shows. So it's reassessing, you know, shows that I haven't been able to do that are now out of my range unless there's a scrim down and lots of, like, fog happening. <laughs> I just have to think, those are not going to happen anymore. And that's fine. I'll just sing those songs in a cabaret. <laughs> it's <You> know, fine. <laughs> totally fine. Maybe
0: um, what we need to... You know, you're not the first person to say that. And maybe <laughs> what maybe what we need to do is have, like, do like a... Like a well but it would be like a cabaret like you said mm-hmm. but do like a start like a the geriatric performance yeah, group like that a, you're talking about right yeah, that'd exactly be good. that'd be great you know <laughs> and just like the ger it's the geriatric version of beauty and the beast
1: yes yes <laughs> uh, yes can i do the last five years at 40 whatever and instead of 23
0: sure why not fine. Why totally fine not? exactly yes. exactly um, um, but yes go ahead i'm sorry I, no i'm totally <laughs> i am It's I, sign me up we'll i'll be that.
1: there <laughs> so in that idea of new roles um mama Rose is on my list, absolutely. Yes. Mama Rose for sure, and Dolly somewhere in there. And then, gosh, I just had another one in the car, and now it's gone. It's gone. Darn it! I should have written them down. That's okay. I can't if you remember. remember if you remember them. It'll we'll, pop up. It'll pop. Yeah, it'll pop it'll up somewhere. Up. But there's um, there's a couple to be part of a production of Follies that's coming up in my age bracket now. It would be a great experience. A couple roles in that show. Yeah, I think those those are the biggest.
0: Do you look toward What's being done on Broadway now and see anything that's innovative that's happening in the world of choreography, either on Broadway and musicals that are happening now or even in the dance world with some of the more famous choreographers that are out there that are techniques, things that you would like to incorporate when you choreograph
1: there's been some interesting productions that i've watched and god bless youtube and the bootlegs that show up because i can then spy on things and see what's out there right now there's been some interesting work that's been done like with the new oklahoma revival that i'm really curious about i don't think they pull a lot of choreography into it so it would be interesting to visit a show like that that really is known for the big you know, group numbers and ensemble numbers, and how they have, have whittled it down or even eliminated some to see how the show still stands up with that mm-hmm. bent on it. There is a, there's, I think more shows are coming up with bigger dance numbers, bigger sections of the show that aren't sung but incorporate kind of like the old musicals from the 40s so like the dream ballets that are showing up in a couple different shows again like Tuck Everlasting that's coming up at Bellevue this year has a great dream ballet sort of sequence at the end so seeing how dance is so heavily influencing the storyline and that one is very story driven that 7 minute selection is very cool and i love i love 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 watching an interpreted dance of a scene and seeing how the storytelling comes through as a choreographer and i think that's that's a strength that i would like to keep honing Otherwise there's just a lot of fun stuff on Broadway right now out there that's just that just makes you feel good that I always appreciate like seeing stuff from the prom that just is just fun frivolous mm-hmm. feel good stuff.
0: I don't remember what I saw recently. It would have been within like the last 6 months and it escapes me now what I saw. But I saw something and I remember coming home and like posting on Facebook, I need to see more dance. Mm. I need to see more dance mm, okay I think it's I know when people think about performing arts in Omaha you know they think about musical theater stage plays and outside of um I'm gonna get the name of it wrong Was it Midwest Ballet yeah, I was just thinking of that too yep Midwest uh, Midwest th- th- oh shoot Midwest Theater Ballet yeah Midwest, yeah uh-huh and maybe I'm ignorant of this. Are there any other dance companies that are doing performances in Omaha? You know, i used to I used to really love and, and this was, but maybe it was because I knew dancers when I was back in college, but they would have, you know, I, I used to go to the modern dance, you know, they would have their performances. Mm-hmm. and I just abs- I just absolutely loved it. And it was something similar to that that I just saw recently. Boy, it's just killing me that I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but it was. But it was. It was one of those things that I was like, I need to see more dance mm-hmm. and experience that. The telling of stories through dance, whether it's modern dance or ballet, a combination, you know, or even with, with jazz and tap. I think, that's, I think it's really powerful to tell stories without vocalizing Mm -hmm. yeah for that very reason i've started
1: going to actually the ballet more because i i for me personally there's that connection that i haven't really tapped into lately of just going to a ballet or just going to see a a dance production that Mm -hmm. i'm kind of re-experiencing which i really appreciate there there used to be i feel like there used to be a few
0: more companies in town that did more there was like the moving company i think it was yeah but i haven't seen them in every now and then i'll get like an email like a random email from the moving company and i'm Mm -hmm. like. I should look into that and yeah. I just and I just haven't but yep. it there, it seems like that is one thing that Omaha is missing out on.
1: Yeah, as heavy as we are theatrical and and artistic, I think some of those companies have gone away or certainly not as visible as they used yes. to be, which is unfortunate. There's the there's the jitterbugs that are also in con- con- conjunction with some of the tap things that are happening happening around town or conventions or guest artists that come in. So I'd like to know more about what they're doing from mm-hmm. a w- like one-off workshop type things. But as far as productions, yeah, unless you're in with one of the colleges like Creighton's Dance dance, Co- mm-hmm. dance Group or, mm-hmm. yeah, the moving company. I don't remember the last time I've seen anything really advertised well for them mm-hmm. but for yeah for that very reason we've got all these great dancers in town and all these different genres that i feel like are kind of taking a
0: back seat to some things right now mm-hmm.
1: maybe i'm imagining that but i feel like they're not as visual i, I no, right I, now. Compl- I completely
0: okay. agree with that okay. doesn't, they don't Good. know it seems like right that it's not very visual and so if anybody out there knows yeah. about some dance <laughs> please send it please our way send it my way because i really <laughs> would like to that is one thing that i miss and i'll need to go check out midwest ballet Mm -hmm. yeah and look at some of their
1: and they have a new home starting this next year over at pace Mm -hmm. so that's going to be great for them and their Mm -hmm. academy and everything so they're they're doing wonderful things um i just saw their production of wizard of oz this last spring it was beautiful and for that storytelling side it was just it was a refreshing way to see a show Mm -hmm. definitely all right i'm gonna
0: ask you what's your favorite color (gasps) purple but a shade of purple more of a plum Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Who's your
1: favorite choreographer? Casey Nicola, And he who's uh, he did Book of Mormon spam a lot. All of the all the funnies, all the funnies right now. I just seem to be tied to him. Susan
0: Stroman comes in a close second i wish i could ask more questions about them but i don't know (laughs) that's okay (laughs) see that's my that's my (laughs) ignorance what is it about their choreography that you appreciate oh gosh uh to to choreograph funny is something
1: i just i love i love finding the 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 moments in a song that's got just that wink or a smile to it some of it can be out just big funny you know laugh out loud moments, but being able to cleverly choreograph comedy. That is a hard sentence <laughs> to say. Cleverly choreograph comedy. Um, say that three I times don't fast. think I want to. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> the, but uh, they are so skilled at that to to, and, and But to do it in a way that it doesn't compete with itself, where you're doing the funny moments, but it's so subtle and nuanced in a couple spots that if you blink, you miss it. And for an audience member just to absorb all of that and just like die watching some of their songs, I just, I love that so much. You can do big, flashy numbers, and there's so many people that do them well, but I think to find that, that wink and smile choreography that little subtle that subtle stuff is difficult and both of them i think have that ability and i i love that and i watch and i learn so much from them
0: Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite author (sighs) (laughs) oh
1: i am reading a lot of nelson demille right now i like his books there's a there's an action side to it but some historical things thrown in for a while i was really big into james missioner novels and even more of the historical fiction um Mm -hmm. i was just kind of ravenous for that style right now I'm kind of in between authors looking for somebody new maybe a new genre I was reading so many action type novels uh, Vince Flynn novels that was scared for the world because they were all about like terrorism and bomb threats and all these different things happening I need I need some feel good stuff stuff now (laughs) I feel so yeah if anybody has any suggestions I will happily take them
0: does your son hold the aspirations of doing any kind of performing whether it's dance or anything
1: not right now he's he loves going to things and he's gone to rehearsals with me since he was a baby i mean i have i have rehearsals where he was in like the moby carrier thing asleep as i'm teaching dance so he's so used to it now And would go with me to schools when I was still home during the day and with our backpack of toys and he would just camp out. It's like a no-brainer for him. I'm going with mom to rehearsal. That's fine. But no, I don't think so. He likes seeing the backstage side of things. He loves going backstage if we're at OCP for something. But he doesn't want to be in the front. He doesn't want me to introduce him a lot to the cast. He doesn't want to be that center of attention. Sure. I think he's a musician. He plays piano. He's got great rhythm. So I don't think so. Uh, uh, No, he's a sports kid. Okay. I think so. he appreciates it, but it's not his thing. Yeah.
0: Did you do any choreography when you were pregnant?
1: I did, (laughs) yes. I choreographed up through, I think, the... Month before Leo came, the the last rehearsal, damn it, Ryan Pavonka, here we go again. So, (laughs) the last rehearsal I did, full rehearsal, was at Ralston High School with with their show choir. And I walked in, and it was, I think it was about a month before. And I walked in, and he had put a flippin' tarp across the front of of the room where I was going to be dancing just in case.
0: Said just in case, just the, in water case the
1: water breaks while I'm dancing. So I, that was the last <laughs> thing I ever choreographed. But I did. I t- it's so
0: stupid. So, I, so I have to ask, <laughs> mm-hmm. how difficult was it to choreograph? while being pregnant. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny because there were sometimes
1: especially during show choir because you're doing all these different styles and so there would be like either a hip hop or a funkier thing which already is not my I I can choreograph it but I don't move that way intrinsically. <laughs> so then you put a baby, you know, out <laughs> like a foot from you and it's was like, you can please learn the steps, but dear God, don't watch how I'm doing this right now because it looks so weird. Just so weird. And I had taught a camp, I think, earlier that summer. I wasn't quite as pregnant at that time, so it wasn't quite as strange to watch. But right. I can't imagine what it's like for a kid to sit there and watch well, their and choreographer that, well, and was the choreographer try.
0: And that was my next question. That was my <laughs> follow-up was going to be, did you get looks from the kids? Oh, or I'm they- sure. More than I didn't
1: even realize. I was like baby, sure. baby-brained baby at the time and couldn't even right. focus, I bet. But I'm sure there were some of them like, what are we watching right now? <laughs> because that's just <laughs> weird. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was... Yes, I did. I choreographed up through almost.
0: Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that, I mean, it's wonderful, but that's that's uh-huh. funny. Yeah,
1: yeah. And he liked music. Um, he really, he, you know, he would move a lot, as most pregnant moms probably experience sure. any kind of movement or physical activity or music being played, and he would be more active during that time. What is your favorite genre of music? I am into a lot of... Oh gosh! Right now, I've, I'm trying to think what's on my Spotify stations right now. I'm really into Broadway stars who go off and do like their own different recordings. So I'm not even specifically into a singer or a genre so much as hearing what these stars will go do when they have like their sessions at Feinstein's or at uh, 54 Below or whatever, and hearing what kind of music they want to go sing when they're not doing musical theater. So I've had a lot of like Adina Menzel mm. on lately, just hearing what else she sings when she's not on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Tveit and different singers like that. Um, otherwise, I get I have a station of. Like women in, not women in rock, but like just, a, I think the station's called Femme Fatale on Spotify, but it's just all these female vocalists just singing some
0: pretty badass music around. Yeah, yeah which yeah. I like having
1: on at work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you could go back in time and have lunch with anyone, either historically or just personally, mm. who would you like to have lunch with? I would like, I think, to sit with
1: Ethel Merman. I think just be just I think she just broke through a lot of different barriers and did things her own way. I just I would like to be part of her company for a while and just speak with her. Otherwise, I don't know. Everybody always probably thinks people in their family that are no longer with them, different, you know, grandparents or great-grandparents. My great-grandmother from Nebraska City, who I don't think I really appreciated at the time, the opportunity to sit and chat with her more. I'd like to go back and talk with her now as an adult and hear more about her life story. I'm sure there's a ton of other theater people I can think of. That would be Fosse. Go back and talk with Fosse.
0: Pick his brain a little bit. Yeah. Of the classic choreographers, is he your most favorite? Um, I don't think so. Um,
1: I really I really love doing Fosse's choreography, but I think I would like to go back actually and speak with like Agnes DeMille because that whole idea of the dream scene or the dream sequence and telling through dance different story and how that fits into the musical theater realm, like figuring out you know where that idea for the dream ballet in Oklahoma came from and all of those different stories that had to get woven in would be interesting to speak with her. Yeah, I think think yeah i think agnes what's your favorite curse word (laughs) there's so many i like a good shit i really do just shit shit yes shit shit shit
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for coming on the podcast melanie (laughs) you're welcome
1: (laughs) Did you need to bleep that out? I'm really sorry if No, do. That's good. No, I just is. had Cork
0: Raymer dropped a good one on me yesterday. Oh, I'm gonna I keep, And I'm going to keep that one in. But did so. it have
1: the Cork voice when he said it? It did. Oh, that's even better.
0: I also made him say, this is CNN. Oh. <laughs> I think Cork could read the phone book and I, I would listen so to too. it. I think so, too. Oh, gosh. I think so, too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Thank You Five podcast with original theme music by Tim Valier. For more information about tonight's guest, please visit www.thankyou5pod.com. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And remember that right now, somewhere in the world, a stage manager is saying, five minutes to curtain. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Thank you, five.
1: That's theater Intercontent.